Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So today is the second day of the Living as People of Faith series, which will go on through the entire month of August. And this is the first actual sermon in the series, right? Because last week we watched a video about a couple who lived their whole lives just stepping out in faith to do what God calls them to do and to go where God calls them to go. And they talked about how challenging it is to have faith in God, to live each day with a strong faith. But they also talked about how rewarding it is when they do step out in faith into that void. And they just put all of their faith in the creator, the savior, the advocate, our God. So today we take another look at what it means to live as people of faith. You know, we know God through Jesus Christ. So we're looking at what it means to live as people who follow Christ. And ultimately, Paul, the author of our text today, is telling us in the letter to the Ephesians that as we walk through life calling ourselves Christians, We are supposed to do our best to imitate God each day. And then he lays out quite beautifully what that looks like. He says, so then putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors. For we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness, and wrath, and anger, and wrangling, and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That is a rich scripture, isn't it? It's just dripping with so much goodness and wisdom that I hardly know where to start for the sermon. But I guess since the sermon title is Be Imitators of God, I guess the first thing we need to do is to discern, well, how does God behave so that we can then imitate God, right? I mean, we have to know God before we can imitate God. 
So from this segment of the letter, and there are so many things in the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, that tell us who God is and how we can imitate God. But in this text alone, we can glean some truths about the nature of God. For example, be angry when necessary, but don't sin. God gets angry when we wrong God and each other. We see that in the scriptures. There are many moments in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, where God gets angry with us. But rarely does that anger last, does it? That anger is righteous and justified, but it very quickly transitions into love for us. And we are encouraged by God's example to not let anger control us or get the best of us. Another example of a godly characteristic is that God only speaks truth. Therefore, we are called to be truthful with our neighbors. Because truth is an act of love. Though, it might not be if you're telling someone truthfully that you don't like their hair or their outfit or their kid. In that case, we might need to practice restraint instead as an act of love. But God's words are used to create and build, right? And so we are to use our words to build up, not tear down. And God is kind to us, tender-hearted and forgiving of us, no matter what. And so we are to strive to be that way with each other and ourselves as well. Get that? Be kind and tender-hearted to yourself as well as to others. Are you familiar with the Jewish concept of shalom? I know I already mentioned it earlier today. Most Gentiles here in the United States think that shalom just means peace. You know, like, peace, man. The depth of meaning in the word, though, is often lost on those of us who are not in the know. I mean, it does mean peace. That is a part of the meaning of shalom. But it also means so much more. According to the website Firm Israel, the ancient Hebrew meaning of shalom was to make something whole. Now, if you're familiar with the... um, Identity Statement of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. We are a movement of shalom. uh, To make something whole, not just regarding practical restoration of things that were stolen or lost, but with an overall sense of fullness and completeness in mind, body, and estate. This meaning of wholeness carries over into the world, shalom. And then another source says that it means peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. And can also be used both to mean hello and goodbye. So shalom describes a certain way of being, very much like our scripture does. It's not a set of rules so much as a philosophy of life. You know? 
And so in reading this part of the letter to the Ephesians, it could be broken down into a checklist of rules to follow, which I think is a way a lot of people like to use the Bible, um, except for the fact that the so-called rules are then summed up with this line. Be imitators of God and live in love as Christ loved us. Shalom. When listed out, the rules of our text read like this. Be honest and speak only truth to your neighbors. Be angry, but don't let it consume you. That's when it turns to sin. Do this by resolving your anger in a day so that it does not make room for the devil. Don't steal. Instead, work honestly with your hands so that you have something to share with the needy. Don't say things that are evil. You know, things that tear people down. Only say useful things for building people up. For example, give grace with your words. And finally, give up the following emotions and behaviors. Bitterness, wrath, anger, arguing, slander, and malice. Instead, embrace kindness for one another. Be tender-hearted and forgiving as God has forgiven you. Now, I don't think that we are supposed to take these ideas and add them to a list of do's and don'ts that come from the Bible. You know, the kind of thing you keep on the refrigerator and go, I did that today, I did that today, I did that today. That's, that's not what this is. Instead, we're supposed to strive to embody the essence of the text as a way of life. Can you get angry about things? Of course. Even God gets angry. But that anger is not to consume us, to define us or guide us. Deal with the things that make you angry in the most direct but loving way, whether you can fix it out there or fix it in here. And then put it aside so that you can focus on more positive things. And God doesn't want us to steal, of course, but more importantly, God wants us to work to have something worth sharing with those less fortunate than us. Because no matter who we are, there is someone less fortunate than us. I lost my place. How awesome is that? So for sure, we are not... To say things that, we are, that are evil, mainly because they tear people down and create something dark and negative in the world. Have you ever met someone who lived in an abusive environment for a long time? Have you met someone with a shattered soul? How destructive it is to hear negative things about themselves over and over and over again. Our words have power over the people around us. We are not to say things that are evil, mainly because they tear down and create something dark and negative. Instead, God wants us to be kind, to be the kind of people who build people up, who encourage and love and all that good stuff. God wants us to give grace with our words just as God does. And if we're giving grace with our words, not just to other people, but also to ourselves, then we can't possibly be bitter 
or wrathful or angry or argumentative or slanderous or malicious. If we are giving grace with our words and our actions, then we are giving grace, then we embrace the kindness for one another, and we are being tender-hearted and forgiving as God has forgiven us. Shalom. Jason Sorosky, who is a dad, an author, and a preacher, he journeyed to Jerusalem with his wife, and they spent some time there just getting to know the land and the culture and the people. And he talks about how powerful it is to hear the word shalom there in Israel. And he goes on to say all of the various meanings of the word. He says, Shalom was used as both a greeting and a farewell, as we've already said. It wasn't just meant to wish a person a lack of war or struggle. Rather, Shalom goes deeper. Shalom might be called the the peace of the Lord. It is completeness and soundness, well-being, complete reconciliation. One of the names of God is Yahweh Shalom, or the Lord, our peace. That's in Judges 6.24. And Jesus is called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9.6. True shalom is only reached through God. It is only reached through God because it is the true characteristic of God. It is the essence of God and the gift of God to us. Shalom is only reached through God. So while writing this sermon, as I usually do, I took a break to kind of like free my mind a little bit and to get back. Sometimes you can get really bogged down, and so it's important to walk away sometimes and then come back. And while I was taking my break, I read the news. The headlines were full of stories about people starting fights in grocery stores and on airplanes or even in their own homes with their roommates. It was full of accusations uh, and confirmation of racist behavior, increasing conflict in Afghanistan, leaders arguing with each other about COVID, and parents abusing their children. And there I was, trying to write a sermon about imitating God in life, imitating God in the world. But those headlines did not inspire in me a feeling of shalom, right? Instead, I wanted to get out there and scream and yell and say, what is wrong with everybody? The headlines made me want to hit something, or even someone. Not that I've ever done that before, but sometimes I feel like it, right? So there are so many things in our world that inspire me to rise up and fight. Not in a justice sort of way, but in a barroom brawl kind of a way, right? I want to argue, and I want to disagree, and I want to get angry, and I want to sometimes, and sometimes I do get angry like that. And I know that an awful lot of people do. But is it possible that there are enough people in this world who are defined by anger and violence? Isn't that the problem with our headlines in the first place? Anger and violence and malice and all of these feelings that our scripture warns against. 
I think these are the things that are driving people in our world, at least the ones who are getting the headlines. You know people who wake up in the morning angry, who go about their days, who, whose lives and even their livelihoods are defined by anger. Maybe their anger is righteous, maybe it isn't. Maybe their anger is for a very good reason, but where is it getting them? What is it doing for them? Where is it getting us all this anger? Where is it getting the kingdom of God? Paul says in our text today that it is okay to get angry, but he also says to resolve that anger before you go to bed at night. Actually, actually he says this. He says, be angry but do not sin. So it's interesting that he differentiates. A lot of people seem to think that being angry is a sin in and of itself. It is not. It is a natural reaction when someone wrongs us or people we love or care about. But it can cross over into sin. Right? Do not make room for the devil, he says. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not make room for the devil. That steeping, pooling anger is the devil's playground, and we can choose not to create a space for him to thrive, right? So when Paul says, let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. And when I read this scripture, I cannot help but think of the civil rights movement of the 60s and 70s. The men and women who fought so hard for the rights of people of color seemed to do it from a place of shalom, not bitterness or malice or wrath. I am sure they were hurt and scared and angry and that there were times when every single one of them in that movement would have loved to have punched someone's lights out at certain times during their work. But the movement and its leaders projected a sense of kindness and forgiveness that is unparalleled by any other time in history. And they succeeded in so many ways. That kindness was for themselves as well as for their enemies. They recognized that they deserved better as children of God, and they worked hard to achieve equality. But they did not let hate and anger be their guide. No, it was love of God and neighbor that drove them to achieve what they did. God wants us to live in a state of peace that emulates the peace of God and God's kingdom. God wants us to be kind and loving and honest and peacemaking. God wants us to build up and make whole, not tear down and destroy. God wants us to be love to the people around us, and God wants us to spread love out into the world. 
God wants us to be at peace in our own spirits so that we can create peace in our midst. And God wants us to imitate the one who created us so that we can do God's work in our own lives and in the world around us. Ephesians says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Amen. Shalom. Shalom. Jason, what is the title of our hymn of communion? Number 330. Number 330.